Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. Okay, welcome back, everybody. The Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Glad y'all could join us. Um, As always, here with Zach and Robert. Hola. Uh, real quick, if you want to interact with us, uh, definitely go to our Facebook page, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast on our Facebook. Uh, definitely drop us a message, interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, so Zach and Robert, it's the end. It's the, the, end, the end of times. the world as we know. Uh, sorry, sorry. Okay. As we know it. Or, I, just, I think some guy a long time ago named John wrote a book yeah, about, about yeah, the end. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it depends on your view because there are numerous views out there. Because I saw this really weird looking dude in downtown who had a sign said the end is here. Is that like <laughs> now? Did he did he specify saying the end or the end of the road? <laughs> Just the end. The end is here. I don't know the end to what, but he seemed pretty adamant about it. <laughs> the end of this sentence. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I would but, totally have that on me. But um, and and the the book of Revelation is probably hands down um, for believers. I would say. It's a mixture of like confusion and uh, fear. Not necessarily fear in the sense of like like lack of understanding, but fear of like can we understand it? Should we even try to understand it? Is it all just spiritual? Is has it already happened? Because there's so many different views on the end times, I mean, you've you've got the the is there? It's a super huge debate. Is there a rapture? Is there not a rapture? Is it? Uh, is there a uh, is there a millennial kingdom? Is there not a millennial? I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and it depends on what denomination, in some respects, what you uh, what you might believe is, you know, this view over here, like you know, the Left Behind series, is that. Is that biblical or, you know, there's just so much questions and, and, and some people because of those, uh, I don't want to say miscommunication, like intentional miscommunications, but, um, potentially just, there's just a lot of room for interpretation and, and one congregation slash denomination might interpret one way. And then this other denomination might interpret something else differently. And then you have some random cult that's completely antithetical to either even biblical teaching, <laughs> and they have a view also. <laughs> so it's like it's yeah. it's literally all over the place. Well, it's interesting you mentioned uh, the Left Behind series because I know as a kid I had like all twelve thousand of them. Yeah, when they were like a, it was a huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it was like. Um, a, encyclopedias yeah but i remember um i i would i read those and i always thought that was the 
Yeah. A, a good, accurate representation. Mm-hmm. Like those who believe get raptured mm-hmm. so they don't experience yep. basically mm-hmm. hell on earth for that <laughs> seven years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all the non believers or you know, who are left basically get punished and they go through the, the tribulation and um but I guess there's other schools of thought out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, Robert here is the the the, the uh, educated guru here, more so than I am. But I know of at least, I would say, three different views out there. Of course, you have oh, the wow. the, and there's more than that, I'm sure. Yeah. But you have the premillennial view, which is kind of like the Left Behind series, basically kind of like. Um, the book of Revelation is to be taken literal where it can be taken literal. I mean, obviously there is symbolism in it, but basically what it boils down to is you have um, you have the church age, and then as soon as the church age ends, or perhaps the rapture happens, uh, depending on what view of the rapture you hold, um, and then there's seven years of just literally hell on earth, where God's bringing judgment upon judgment upon judgment upon judgment, uh, like the bowls and the, um, the the well, first of all, I think it's the seals and then the bowls of wrath, just and and very um, very doom gloom, like a third of the world's population uh, dies, a third of the ocean turns to blood, and the creatures within die, except and the list goes on and on and on of all these things that happen that are really really bad according to the book of revelation if you take more of a literalist view um then you have some people <laughs> who uh so that's that's the more the traditional pre-millennial dispensationalism view um and then you have a different view called there, there's a group called out there called the preterists and they're of the opinion that um for lack of a better term, basically everything happened in the first century. Mm. Like, and so we're living in the new heaven and new earth now, uh, spiritually, not actual. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to necessarily poop on that view, but at the same time, it's like they believe Satan's been cast down into into the bottomless pit or the lake of fire, because um, that comes afterwards. I'm sorry. So the lake of fire. Um, so and all of his demons and all those things are not here anymore. Um, but I feel like this view doesn't really line up with our world today. Um, not again, not to like attack it directly, but it's like um, you just have these ideas that don't really correlate to reality, and it's just like this over um, emphasis on the spiritual. And it neglects the physical, like when Adam and Eve were first created, they were physical beings. Um, Then they fell, and all of creation fell with it, that talks about in Romans. Um, And then, you know, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he didn't just have a purely spiritual body, he had a physical and spiritual body. I mean, he went through great pains, literally, to show that um, he was actually had a physical body. He ate fish. He let Thomas touch his wounds. I mean, 
and see, you know, like see that it was flesh and bone. So, I mean, these are definitely characteristics of a physical body. Um, so a bodily resurrection literally happened. And um, I feel like if you overemphasize the spiritual, you neglect the fact that God created us as physical. And that's one thing about the new heaven and new earth is it promises to be a physical world. Um, and I feel like a lot of times if you say, like, these things are just spiritual, you're overemphasizing the spiritual, you're literally just kind of undercutting the whole purpose of why God created us. I mean, he could have easily created us as purely spiritual beings. He created angels. They're purely spirit. Um, now, they can manifest in physical bodies, and they can take on the forms of physical bodies, but at the same time, they're spiritual. But he chose humanity to be physical and spiritual, and I feel like if you, del you know, delineate or take away one or the other, you have a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to say anything, Robert? Um, you know, going back to the prayerist, um, you know, there are so many different views on it. We've covered the preterists. Uh, another couple of views are the uh, spiritualists, and that's the view that everything in Revelation from beginning to end is just a, a heap of metaphors for, uh, you know, just spiritual realities. The fact that you've been saved from sin, the fact that God has delivered you in Jesus. And so every uh, freakish design that's in Revelation, the scorpions, the, the, the demons coming out of the deep, these are all just, according to this view, these are just metaphors for the salvation that you have because you were hellbound and you were yanked out by Christ. One big criticism I have, and, and before we go any further, let me say that people with all these views are genuine Christians. We're not yeah, trying to ostracize. Yeah. Um, and yet we can all have our opinions and have our criticisms of each gen, uh, genuine uh, take on the book. But um, one of my big criticisms with the spiritualist view is uh, just the simple fact that if it was all a metaphor... Why would someone be led to go into so much dramatic detail about the the spiritual realities that uh, Paul lays out those spiritual realities in Romans, and yet he never really feels the need to go into as much detail as John does with his descriptions. While Paul will lay it out very didactically, it's just like a textbook. This is the situation, this is how it was fixed, this is what it means. So in light of the fact that we have Romans, we have didactic Roman teaching, very simple textbook, point-for-point point explanation of the gospel, why would we need the book of Revelation to try to tell us the same thing through super creepy, eerie uh, symbolism? symbolism and I mean, it's the simple excursion into a movie theater. Uh, in the first century. I mean, gather around at Halloween, listen to the spooky letter. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it really necessary? And that's one of my big things is because, uh, you know, the sequence of judgments, if you're going to believe that they're all symbols, you've got to try to have some stage in the salvific process that corresponds with these because first come the seals, then you've got the trumpets and the bowls. And by the time the seven bowls are laid out, everything's done. Uh, there's nothing left to do but to seal up Satan and the Antichrist and establish the reign of Christ. So then you've got to go back and say, okay, so 
why in that order? What do these seals, trumpets, and bowls actually represent in, this, in a Christian's life? And I believe I've actually heard people with this view of Revelation have to say that uh, it actually represents the different stages of sanctification. Wow. The, yeah, the seal, huge. yeah, you're sealing the deal with Jesus. Mm-hmm. The trumpets, you're declaring Jesus to the world. And then the bowls, you're pouring it all out as you give yourself up, either as a martyr or dying of old age for the glory of Christ. Now, it goes without saying, you you kind of have to pull that out of your pocket. To, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what it means. I mean, I could, I mean, honestly, and I'm kind of joking, but it's kind of serious, uh, kind of scary how serious I can be when I say this. I could probably, if I found enough like-minded people in our hometown, we could probably start a brand new cult just pulling interpretations out of our pockets for Revelation. Mm -hmm. I mean, the trumpets, they they represent the great trumpets of, you know, uh, these political leaders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you literally look at Waco, uh, Texas, and what happened in 92 with David Koresh and his followers were ab- absolutely infamous. And uh, what's interesting is any any cult group that's had a violent history or a violent end is almost always found a way to manipulate and abuse the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. But he based his entire theology on the seven seals of the angels in the first in, in chapters 4 and 5 and he had this big flamboyant description of what each of the seven seals represented, again, pulling it all out of his pocket. But he led all those people literally to their deaths in order to try to propagate this idea that he has secret knowledge that, I mean, Jesus himself didn't even give to John, the author. And yet, you know, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait 1,900 years and give it to this guy in Texas named David Koresh, and he's going to be my new prophet to the ages. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. And and that's that's one thing that's pretty common. I, I uh, just like uh, these various views. It's like you know you have the premillennial view, and that came. There's some elements of it that came about in like the 1800s, and you have the preterist view that came around in the 1500s, uh, middle mi- middle ages, and it's like you wonder. It's like did they like have this view of just like you know that God just spoke to them and and like that's how their interpretation is justifiable or you know it, it's like for me every time I read the book of Revelation I'll have an idea of something and then I'll read it and I'll be like wow where did I get that idea that's clearly not there where, where so it's like you know I don't understand like how you could read it and then be like okay well I my interpretation is the most logical valid thing and and therefore god has spoken to me and and take off and run with it It, to me it just sounds like that's just i mean i don't know it's it's, it i would i always tread carefully when it comes to book of revelation but for when it comes to someone making a claim that they're they are a prophet after prophets have been done away with for thousands of years like there's no need for further revelation um i mean jesus is the complete uh unveiling of god because he is god so it's like there's no need for that and so the book of revelation was really meant you know obviously for believers as a comfort but even then it's like don't elevate people don't elevate you know 
whether it be Tim LaHaye or, or some other Jesuit or whatever, don't elevate these people because only the only the Lord is supposed to be elevated. I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't share these views. It doesn't mean that you can't have these views. It, can't, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have opposing views necessarily. But there comes a point where of humility where we go, you know what? There's denominations that are literally split over the interpretation of Revelation. And that is what really split them apart from other groups. And it's like, I, I wonder, like, if if we have focused so much on our interpretation and instead of actually working together with other brothers and sisters in Christ and being able to agree to disagree on certain stances on your understanding of Revelation, and because of that, the church is in... I mean, because you think about it, what kind of confusion do you have when you have a denomination that says, oh, well, the book of Revelation needs to be interpreted this way, and it means this, and the bowls mean this, and, and it means this, and it means this. And then you have another denomination who has a completely different view, and but they're both taught as true, completely true, and it's like there's no, like, Hey, let's let's just remember that we might ha- these are our interpretations, not the actual like we're elevating our interpretations to the scriptures, not holding the scriptures and you know like elevate it and leaving our interpretations uh, below that if that makes sense. Yep, exactly, and that's one thing I wish uh, the church as a whole could understand a little bit more is. Just the fact that we can hold different views on this stuff, and no matter what view, your view of the book is, I mean, they they all all those views have the same last chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is coming back. Period. Um, if your hope is in Him, and if you're morbidly, horribly wrong about your interpretation of Revelation when this all plays out, um, would you seriously? Uh, you know, decline your ticket to heaven because you were wrong. It's like, ah, no, I'm I'm just gonna go to hell because I, that that I mean the priority. Yeah, I I have the not not me personally, but someone who's like I have this millennial, all millennial view that world is just gonna keep getting better and better and better and better and better, and then it doesn't, and and humanity doesn't get better, and actually it gets worse and continues to get worse. I mean, like, does that mean you're gonna like Robert says you're just gonna throw in the towel and be like, well. I thought no. that the world was going to get better, and I thought humanity was going to get better. Well, it actually turns out the opposite is happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let me ask this. So why do you think, because obviously John was given the vision mm-hmm. of you know what he saw in Revelation. Mm-hmm. If it was supposed to be... A message of hope and good news for believers mm-hmm. why do you think it was just such cryptic symbolism like why do you think it wasn't more laid out of you know here's mm-hmm. here's a representation of what heaven looks like here's a representation of what the new earth is going to look like here's a representation of how god is going to fulfill that final mm-hmm. you know that final sealing of the deal mm-hmm. instead of and and having everybody kind of guess and have all of these like i you know does, does that make sense kind yeah. Of oh yeah like, oh yeah. yeah perfect sense yeah, yeah. um well i uh, just be personally i think 
I think what happens oftentimes is we, um, I just had a brain fart. I love those. That's awesome. Robert, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Tag. A couple of reasons I can think of is one, the simple fact that John is seeing things that we just, he, he wouldn't have had words for. I mean, you saw heaven, you just saw angels. Um, you know, just this past Sunday, um, I'm a pastor and I, preached from Isaiah 6 and God showed up in his fullness and Isaiah freaks out. He doesn't just go, "Ooh, hello Lord, come on in. Have have a sandwich." It just, "Oh man, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm doomed." And I I, I told the church, "It's easy to sing those hymns until the God you're singing about blows the roof off and then you'd probably be trying to duck under the pew and army crawling to the back of the room before he singes you to death." But uh Basically, just this idea that, you know, John talks about stars falling out of, out of heaven. Have you heard the theory that that might have been meteorites mm-hmm. and John saw it and didn't understand? Because yeah. this is the God of the universe communicating something to a first century person. And for those who have a futuristic view of Revelation, I mean, this is obviously going to happen after smartphones, um, after satellites, after the Internet, after vehicles. And so if he had shown a brand new Tesla to John, he's like, do you know what this is? It's a, it's a metal demon. I mean, he, he wouldn't know what that is. Right. And so that's one definite uh, possibility, I would say a likelihood, but uh, especially when he talks about the heavenly realities. Um, I actually heard someone give the opinion uh, when you talk about the new Jerusalem. I personally think it's a literal city. Uh, he gives the very dimensions of it, and I don't think you, anybody would go into that much detail about a metaphor. But <laughs> it's all metaphor, baby. <laughs> it's all of it. But <laughs> every, uh, bit, of it. Like, every like, bit. Isn't it listed in like cubits or something? It's listed yeah. in yeah. cubits. You can actually, do the translation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And feet or oh yeah. Or and and it even goes through the lists of you know how how tall it is, how thick the walls are what the gatehouse looks like because it's made of solid pearls like mm-hmm. huge gigantic pearls and wasn't it like the foundations were like every the, color jewel yeah like oh yeah like yeah every kind of stone so it's like ah that's just metaphor it's like actual mm-hmm. dimension yeah yeah it's like <laughs> it's like well it's just a metaphor for your heart inside. And it's like, uh, pretty sure there's only uh, four chambers in my heart. <laughs> I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't hold me accountable to that. I don't know. I've never really studied astronomy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, anatomy. <laughs> but, yeah, I hadn't considered that of just, like, maybe it just literally blew his mind and him just mm-hmm. not having the language to mm-hmm. be able to describe it. Oh yeah, uh, that's a good point. Because doesn't it also say in Revelation when John first had the vision, he saw that angel. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was so in awe by just the angel. <laughs> yeah, he started he, worshiping the angel, and the, and yeah. the angel rebuked him. And the angel was like, "No, dude, him, <laughs> <laughs> me." Yeah, yeah oh, exactly. Yeah. Boss guy. Which yeah. I mean, which and yeah. and honestly, that shows you auth- authenticity because if the author is willing to say, "Hey, look, I got this," I mean, like. Yeah. You you have you're literally given the book of Revelation. You're literally seeing these things and you could very easily puff yourself up. Yeah. But instead you're gonna show you screw up and get rebuked by the angel, like, Whoa, no, you don't worship me, you worship God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hello. Yeah. And so, um all that to say the the first reason it blew John's mind 
um, the reason I brought up New Jerusalem was this this person I was listening to gave the opinion, and it was just the loose opinion, right, wrong, whatever. And he said he doesn't believe that the streets in Jerusalem would be literal gold. He said he could be wrong, but he says he thinks it was just so marvelous. John just lost any hope of another word. He's like, made of gold, <laughs> and it's possible. But uh, So it blew his mind. Another reason is... Um, God intentionally wanted it to be vague so that we wouldn't be anticipating the end in extreme detail. Mm. If he had dropped the name of the Antichrist and you people would just think, oh, it's not going to happen yet. The, this politician has doesn't have that name or anybody who happened to be born with that name would be just completely in trouble when it came to <laughs> politics. They would <laughs> never, ever be voted in. And so it's kind of like prophecy in a can. God intentionally wanted us to know just enough mm-hmm. to realize he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he wanted to keep enough hidden so that we would trust him rather than just putting it all on ourselves. Because I once heard the argument, if we knew the exact date, let's say March 15th, 2028, and I just pulled it out of nowhere, if March 17th, now, most people would been do just do whatever until March 16th, and then you'd be have people falsely buying repenting, buying all the top air so that you could fly up with it when you're raptured. <laughs> but then you'd have you know you'd have fake uh, repentance in mass as people just tried to make up for the life that they had lived rather than just wanting to be on alert for Christ throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the I've, one thing I've heard, and it's a, it is a criticism that has to be addressed, is the language of Jesus makes it sound as if it will happen in their lifetimes. I mean, on the surface, that's what mm-hmm. it sounds like. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming soon. Mm-hmm. Be on high alert to this generation. Yeah, that, that's actually what, going back to the, the preterist view, that's one of the reasons why they like it has to be in the first century because the disciples, everybody thinks it's, it's, it's going to be soon. So it had to be soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about it on a previous episode, um, but didn't one of you make a comment that the reason why the disciples waited so many years to write, you know, write the books was because yeah. they thought Jesus was coming back mm-hmm. in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yes, and like 60 that's right. Years had passed, and they were like, "Oh, I don't think he's coming <laughs> back. We should probably go ahead and write this yeah. stuff down." Oh yeah. Yeah. I can I can feel that oldness in my bones. It's time to pass this on, just in case. Well, and and it could even be, and this is this is one thing that people don't consider. Well, I mean, some people do. I mean, I'm not going to say not anybody, but is you have what's called dual prophecy, and so Jesus could have been talking about yes, because this is again one of the preterist views is yes, there was something that happened. There was the destruction of the temple, and that happened in 70 A.D. And he did predict that. Um, so it's possible that he was talking about that abomination of desolation with the, the, the Romans surrounding Jerusalem, but it might also have to do with a future event as well. And so it could even be that the disciples in their like um, like in their like uh, daily lives, they knew that something was coming, something huge was coming. And, like, the Holy Spirit maybe was even testifying to them that something big was coming. And then they falsely thought it was the end times instead of seeing it as the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Because, and that's one of the things is, 
you ha- I mean, you did have instances where the disciples didn't necessarily get it right. Again, you had John who literally worshipped an angel or tried to and was rebuked for it. So these people, they weren't like inerrant. There's another instance of where uh, Peter was showing favoritism to the Jews and, and Paul rebukes him. So it's not like these guys were above reproach and above error. So it could be that they misconstrued thinking that this end time mm-hmm. actually isn't the end times. It's actually something else. It's actually this destruction of Jerusalem. And there might be some parallels with what happened, but there's also parallels of what's to come in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But... uh Jumping on to one final view that we can talk about here and when we can just toss them all up like salad and <laughs> discuss them at length. Um, have you heard of the his, uh, historic, uh, historical view? Sounds familiar. Very familiar. Now, some people hear it and they wonder, wait, what is the difference between this and the preterist view? It's similar, but it's in a different vein. The preterist view says that all of Revelation took place in the first century. It all took place in Jesus' lifetime. The apostles didn't pass away until it occurred. Now, the historical view, which is, I find it kind of fascinating. And uh, what's curious is uh, Tim LaHaye, who we've thrown his name out already. He's the the scholar behind the Left Behind series. He has a loosely historical view of Revelation, but the historicist view is that um, Revelation from beginning to end actually carries not just the first century, but the whole... Uh, era of church history from the time of Christ up to the modern day and beyond Mm -hmm. into the Revelation. Um, Tim LaHaye actually believes that um, the the couple of chapters where Jesus addresses the seven churches, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Revelations 2 and 3, go take a peek, and Jesus puts um, out letters to churches that existed in John's own day throughout Turkey. And Tim LaHaye actually believes that uh, the churches in order from beginning to end are small hints of the layout of church history because he talks about the first church is uh, the church that was uh, facing uh, the possibility of persecution. The second church was actually doing persecution. The third church was sitting on a lot of wealth, and he equated that to the legality in the Roman system when church became... Um, something of an institution and on and on until you get to Philadelphia uh, that's the church that has nothing against it Jesus doesn't have anything to say about it that's bad and Tim LaHaye believes that uh, the Philadelphia church represents the mission movement when they stopped looking inward and started moving outwards to the world again as they should have hundreds of years before and moving on to the very last church which is uh, the modern era onto however much longer it lasts. And then chapter 4, when John goes up to heaven, he believes that's when it peers into the future. Now, that's the light historicist view, but there are those who hold a stronger view, who they believe that every single prophecy, every single vision, every single symbol 
falls somewhere within church history. Now, these are the people who want to say that uh, the Antichrist is a particular pope mm-hmm. oh, and the false prophet is a televangelist. And so they'll try to, and again, my, that's my main argument against it is that it's so arbitrary. It depends on pulling interpretations out of your pocket because mm-hmm. in which era do the scorpions happen? I mean, <laughs> you could say, oh, that was back during the desert fathers because there are scorpions crawling up their legs. And I mean, it just gets ridiculous if you're not careful. Yeah. And if you do that, there's also no guarantee that it's supposed to be um, in chronological sequence either. If you're bouncing around back and forth and, you know, it all lands with Jesus's return, but you could be in the mo- something in the modern area. And then all of a sudden there's a, a another uh, prophes- prophetic symbol that's supposed to have taken place in the Middle Ages and just this, you know, cra- ca- catastrophic trip through the, the history of the church. Mm. And, you know, of course, those who also those who hold to that view, they tend to believe that they themselves are the final generation before, you know, the end times actually come. Mm -hmm. And so there's no definite room for future generations, because for all we know, Christ could last and he could wait another two, three, four, five, ten thousand years for all we know. Yeah. And no one knows the day or the hour. Nobody. And so if you take your time to meticulously lay out these different eras of the past leading up to your own, mm-hmm. well, let's say there's a, you know, six or seven different Catholic churches, eight or nine different reformations that happen, six or seven world wars after us. Well, how are you going to interpret that if you all of a sudden have to rewind to only half the book mm-hmm. and then add more space to it? Right. And I mean, it just becomes an absolute mess. But uh, it's definitely an interesting one to take a look at. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting to take a peek. But, again, I I just find it it pulling interpretations out of the pocket. Uh, Now, me personally, um, and I'll say it to anyone listening out there, just – it's just sharing a part of my own views on it. I am uh, definitely a futurist. but And one reason I, th- I really do think it's the only one that really takes the text at face value without mm-hmm. trying to force other interpretations on it that aren't there. Mm-hmm. And so you've got uh, everything we've laid out, the, the futurist, the preterist, the spiritualist, the historicist. And, of course, I mean, any flavor under the sun, if you want to get into some cultic yeah. practices, some different yeah. beliefs. I've already mentioned David Koresh. <laughs> he was obsessed with it. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, like Robert said, it's like um, I, I feel like you fall, you, you fall into one or two camps. You're either one of those guys who eats up the book of Revelation, and then there's nothing wrong with it. But like, and and you and you find justification for your ideas and your trans or uh, not translation. Well, it might be translations, but um, your interpretations. And then you have the other side of the spectrum that they don't touch it with a ten foot pole because they're terrified of what all the symbolism means. And I feel like, honestly, we either way, you like if you get so if you get so convinced on your interpretation um, that you, you read it so much and you're, and you're sold out for your interpretation, which is not, again, I'm not saying it's, you shouldn't have that and you shouldn't do that necessarily, but whenever you're not even willing to budge and say, well, my interpretation that I hold might not be right, mm-hmm. and you don't want to even hear what someone else has to say. Blasphemy. 
that that becomes sort of like a like you're not willing to even meet someone halfway and have a, a civil discussion about it. And then on the other side of the spectrum is like you're too terrified. Jesus says, "Blessed are you who read the book of Revelation, not ignore it." So I mean, there is an importance in reading it, even if you decide to have. Uh, a sort of a preterist view. It's still, I mean, Scripture says, blessed are those who read the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like God doesn't want you to be completely ignorant of it. Wherever wherever the views you decide to fall on, whether it be, you know, more of a, a historicist or a futurist or what have you, the goal is not to be so dogmatic that you don't hear somebody else's opinion and that you, even if you agree to disagree on it you can still be civil in Christ to each other because there's still a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ even if you don't have the same view on the of um, eschatology I mean Jesus didn't say go into the uh, world and baptize in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit and make sure everyone has the same view of the end times. <laughs> it doesn't say that. <laughs> it says baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and I'm with you to the end of the age. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, show grace and show mercy to each other and hold your views, even hold them tightly, but at the same time show genuine respect to someone else that may not necessarily have the same view you do because you never know, your view might not be right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one thing that I have to come. I mean, like, if there is a rapture, oh darn, there's a rapture. You know, I mean, if if you hold the view that there isn't a rapture, like, but objectively there is one. I mean, are you going to be upset because you get raptured out, or vice versa? If there isn't a rapture. And you endure by the power of the Holy Spirit. You endure the wrath of God on earth, kind of like how um, the Israelites went through the plagues of Egypt. And, and you know, the, the church goes through the tribulation. I mean, yeah, it's going to suck, but God is with you. God is still there. Still I mean, saved <laughs> yeah, you're still oh, yeah. saved. I mean, and so it's like, you know, Oh, I'm 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 raptured out, or I'm not raptured out, but God provides me the ability to be able to go through this tribulation, you know, or whatever happens happens, you know. Uh, that and that's the thing. It's like show by showing mercy to each other and being able to agree to disagree, you actually show compassion and you show maturity in the faith because. It's not all about your interpretation or my interpretation. It's about loving your neighbor as yourself and sharing the gospel. That's, I mean, that is our focus. That is what we're supposed to be about, not necessarily me converting everybody in my sphere of influence to hold the same eschatology that I hold or not hold the same eschatology, you know, whatever. You mm-hmm. know. That's what it's about. It's about loving God and loving others. Oh, yeah. I mean, could you just... Um, and to piggyback on Zach's little image of someone, you know, upset because they they go to heaven in a way that they didn't anticipate. <laughs> I mean, can you just imagine somebody sitting up in heaven just stewing angry just for six out. months up there because their paper that they submitted in seminary was wrong about how they're going to get up there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, I, mean. I can't believe I got up here through a rapture. 
This is ridiculous. There was no evidence. PhD. Yeah. God. God. Let me. You're not doing it the way that I told you you do it. Yeah. That that goes over well. Not at all. (laughs) Send me back. I'm not going to lose this argument now. (laughs) Say, sir, you were not saved. (laughs) I think I think I'll pass on that judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, to kind of color this into perspective, talking about you know the importance of just. You know, em, you don't have to embrace all the views as true. You can come to your own opinions, but embracing all the view holders as fellow believers. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about, and I'm throwing out a very, very famous name just to just to illustrate a point, but uh, Billy Graham. I recently went through a display of his life, and it's always inspiring to see the, the crowds who came to hear the gospel. And the reason they did it was just he was so simple. Mm-hmm. He didn't go up there and spout, you know, any certain Baptist, Presbyterian, United Methodist, he was just talking Jesus, and people from all over the world, every denomination under the sun, came to hear it, and they all found union in that that message. Now, could you imagine how much different his life would have been if he'd gotten up there in the in the tent in the forties when people had never heard his name, and they go under there, and instead of shouting that Jesus is alive, he starts shouting that uh, the futuristic interpretation is the way to go to Revelation. Yeah. And I mean, if he had spouted that for his entire career. It would probably have been him and, you know, th- three elderly women and some guy from Uruguay. and I mean, the, the three people tops. Right. <laughs> the, the crowds would not have come because nothing appeals to that about people in mass. It's, you know, the, the thing that unifies people is just the fact that, you know, he is alive. And he's alive in every single interpretation of Revelation there mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I, I do my best not to say that in rhythm. Interpretation of Revelation. It just it rhymes too well. Um, yeah, yeah, it does actually. But uh, I'm trying. I'm fighting it. I'm, I'm, go ahead. <laughs> it's all good. I'm wanting to rhyme all the time. Oh, it's all good. I really want to know what those. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've actually read. Wasn't there something in Revelation? There was like uh, a booming voice on a roll of thunder, but God wouldn't let. John yeah. Know what it said. Yeah. 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 I really want to know. Well, and, I really and, know. And, and that goes also that goes back to the fact that not everything that happens is recorded. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So I mean that tells you right there to to show a little bit of grace to each other in interpretation because chunks there's chunks missing and that's yeah. and that's the purpose of it. And like yeah. yes, so that you have an idea so that you can look forward to what's coming. A day when there won't be sin, a day when there won't be um Satan and the enemies of of God dancing and prancing like they do now. I mean like that's one reason why I, I there's certain views that I just can't hold. I can't hold the view that Satan is bound up already and all the demons are bound up right when right now you got some of the like whenever you see someone who does something terrible, horrible to kids or, or something like that and like mass shootings, it's like you wanna sit there and tell me there's not some sort of demonic influence in that person's life? No, that that that's definitely there has to be something there. Oh yeah. I mean, and and to say that, you know, that the world's gonna get better and better and better and better and better, it's like I mean, obviously the news paints a very negative point because that's what the news does. It doesn't do the positive, but at the same time, 
overall, I mean, there's a lot of genocide and there's a lot of war and there's a whole lot of bad stuff. And yeah. you're going to tell me that it's getting better? No, no. I see it getting worse. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's hard to sell the idea that New Jerusalem is now. <laughs> when yeah. you turn on the news, New Jerusalem today is besought by racism and systemic hate and, and violence in the streets. And a little a three-year-old was shot to death by... Hey, you know, some random, I mean, this is, this isn't the world. Yeah. People yeah. In Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. In Jerusalem, a concert was shot up by a maniac from a, but dang it, the streets are made of gold here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's just, it doesn't fit reality. It yeah. really doesn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> I'm in the same boat as you rewinding to two minutes ago. Just what did God say that was so intense? So, because I don't know if it was supposed to be super secret. Obviously, because he didn't say. But I mean, was it supposed? Would it freak us out if we knew? Or was it would too it, revealing? Too revealing. Or was it even something that was so terrifying that no, nah, you you don't you don't need to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you you think you want to know, but you really don't. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like yeah, yeah. It, or it could be something so bad that you know these. These people who suffer uh, the wrath of God, it's like, you might just not want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, God's like, trust me, you really don't. I'm telling you, I know the future. You don't want to know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the theories abound. Of course, they're all just theories, but you know, people trying to brainstorm what that could have been. They've Like the date of the rapture, maybe the name of the Antichrist, stuff we've already mentioned, but maybe he actually... Uh, you know, gave John a, an exact uh, idea of what this Antichrist was going to be. And he's like, no, 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 just symbols, just symbols. <laughs> Let's keep it, it was simple. like all those shows on History Channel where these experts are like, we program the whole Bible and seven different languages into this AI program, and we've cracked the hidden code that's in the Bible that yeah. shows the countdown of exactly <laughs> when it's coming. And yeah. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, where where, where do you get this math from? I mean, real, I mean, like, I, I suck at math, but come on. I think I could do a better job than that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus himself said that he doesn't even know. Yeah. The oh, Father yeah. Father is the only... The only being mm-hmm. in the entire universe who knows when the, that end is coming. Yeah. And that in itself is wild to fathom because oh, Jesus yeah. is God, but mm-hmm. yet not even the Son yeah. knows. Yeah, he's subservient to the Father to the point where he's willing to bow down and say, all right, whenever you say go, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, it is wild to think about. But uh, I think, uh, you know, one way to kind of veer this conversation towards a conclusion because we've talked about all these different views and I'd encourage any of you to do plenty of research on it come to your own decisions pick apart every argument or turn over every stone that we didn't have a chance to touch on because we only have one hour and not 28 but Mm -hmm. uh you know come to your own views on it uh just but no matter what view you have though just learn how to fall in love with the book of revelation and especially with the god who brought the book to us mm-hmm. um be learn how to be content uh with the 10% that you know and just resting for the 90% that you don't know and 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 for the love of all it's good show mercy to each other mm-hmm. yes show if you have a view, and, and there's nothing wrong with having the views, but if you disagree with another brother in Christ on on eschatology, they are not 
heretics just because they don't hold the same view that you hold. Yes. Now, if they reject Jesus as God, then that is that is a, that a that is a bona fide heretic. But if yeah. if if your view of eschatology and their es- view of eschatology is different, but you both believe in Jesus being the Son of God, fully man, fully God, and you both you know believe in the Scriptures, then he's a brother or sh- she's a sister. And and treat each other like that, and yeah. show and show mercy. And if and if you're so convinced that your way is right, like your interpretation is right, and you might be right, I don't know, but just show compassion to everyone else who's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, you know, because if if they were right and you were wrong, would you want them to stick it in your face, or would you re- want them to show mercy to you? And be supportive, but at the same time allow you to have that that your your own beliefs and opinions. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I would say this: it, it all just boils down to um, reflecting the character of the Christ that you claim to serve as you wait for Him to return. Um, the 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 behavior amongst ourselves that doesn't reflect Christ. Uh, everything Zach just laid out that goes on between people in the name of theology. And theology, the purpose of theology is to be uh, closer to him in knowledge so that you can be closer to him in relationship. And if you're not fulfilling that, then that's when uh, theology itself becomes an idol and you probably need to take a break from it anyway. But uh, that's everything on this basic subject of revelation that's all i have to say without going down another hour rabbit hole and i don't have time for that (laughs) (laughs) don't have time for that all right well thank you zach thank you robert that was uh incredibly deep dive (laughs) very 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 uh deep subject Uh, revelation is not an easy read it's not i mean i encourage everybody to go out and and try to read it yeah absolutely take you 20, 30 reads before you even begin to pick up on yeah. most things. But, <laughs> you know, it's 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 definitely interesting, and it's 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 a fun read. Yeah. Oh, it is. And, it's, and, and it goes back to what I was saying. It's like it's one of the few books that says that you are blessed if you read it. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this evening. Uh, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, definitely uh, drop us a message. Uh, let us know what you think on our Facebook. Again, that's the Achieving Christian Thought podcast on Facebook. You can visit our website, theactpod.com. And uh, yeah, Zach, Robert, we'll see you on the next episode. And so our next long, topic. Oh, yeah. farewell.